I invite you to open a Bible to Psalm 25. We'll be reading together from Psalm 25 this morning. As a church family, we've been going through the Psalms one Psalm a week, so here we are on the 25th Sunday of this uh, 2023. Uh, next week, if you are wondering, uh, the theme of the retreat will be from Luke 15, and so when we come back, we'll, we'll stay on the schedule. We'll be on Psalm 27 when we come back in two weeks, not Psalm 26, uh, for those of you who are wondering. But here's Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth. Or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. His eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. And that'll conclude our reading for this morning. It's repeated a few times in this psalm that David is longing for God to show him direction, a clear path and a way forward for how it is that he is supposed to live and handle the situation and the circumstances that he is in. He has prayers, he has concerns uh, that really only come out greater towards the end of the psalm. At the beginning, there's such an expression of confidence in the Lord and, and in the Lord's provision that it, it, it almost surprises us when he then goes on to describe himself as feeling lonely and afflicted, that the troubles of his heart are enlarged. And it's a good reminder as we've been getting throughout these psalms regularly that it's it's possible to feel two things at the same time. <laughs> it's possible to have great confidence in God and assurance of 
what he will ultimately do, but also be open and honest and acknowledge that in the moment, what we are feeling is a sense of loneliness or trouble or uncertainty. And in that, he's coming to God and saying, God, would you show me your way? And that's just the first point that I'd love to highlight, uh, that this psalm reveals God's way, that he does have a way for us. He doesn't simply have advice for us, but the invitation of Jesus himself when he came regularly to people was to come and follow after him. Not just to take an inspirational quote from him and then go do what they were already doing, but actually to see in him a way of life that he modeled that you and I would be drawn into and that we would say, we want to do it that way. We don't just want the end result, we actually want to follow him uh, with how he handled the things that he did. And that's, it's revealing in our own hearts when, if we only come to God and say, God, we want you to give us what we already want and we don't want a relationship with you versus coming to God and saying, we, we've seen who you are, we've seen what you do and we'd love to follow after you. We'd love to learn from you. We, we, we'd love to follow the paths that have been set before us. And for many of us, we can think of just people in our own lives who've lived a certain way that we've looked at and said, you just seem like you always have grace under fire. <laughs> you seem like there's always a stability in you, even if there's a sense of chaos around you. And when you encounter that in people, there's something attractive to that to say, I want to learn how to walk like you walk. I want to learn the, the ways and the secrets that you've learned for how to handle life. And that was most commonly Jesus' way of referring to a relationship with him, for people to come and follow after him. Uh, it was in a book I read recently by John Mark Comer. It's called The, Ru the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, but he paraphrased Jesus' invitation to, to come and take his yoke upon us by saying, if we want the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If we want to experience the life of Jesus, we have to be willing to adopt the ways of Jesus. Now, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, in some ways, lived a very different life than we did. And so that doesn't mean we're supposed to figure out how to walk everywhere we go and not use cars and only communicate with those around us and not use technology to text other people. And there's many ways in which life is different for us than it was in Jesus' day. Yet the challenge for us is, do we look back and see how he handled pressure, enemies, how he handled the burdens of a day? And if you look at his life and say, wow, if Jesus was regularly committed to time and prayer with the Father, who am I to think I don't also need time and prayer with the Father? If Jesus at times fasted for things, who am I to think I don't ever need to fast for anything? If Jesus himself was committed to learning the scriptures and knowing them from the inside out, who am I to think I could somehow experience the blessings of God and completely ignore the scriptures? Uh, we've seen regularly as we've gone through the Psalms how much the Psalms come out in the life of Jesus. How they came out in some of his biggest trials in Psalm 22 when he cried out from the cross. 
I submit to you that Psalm 25, actually, uh, that all of the content of the Lord's prayer is here in this psalm. And so when the disciples came to him and said, uh, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And he said, yeah, I'll teach you how to pray. Pray like this. And most of his prayer were not things that had never been revealed before in God's word, but things which he had had now a lifetime of reading, learning, studying, singing, and living out. And then in a unique and beautiful way, being able to condense it in such a way that anybody else could repeat it after him. That anybody else, if they were willing, could follow the ways that he was setting before them. And so one of the challenges for us is to consider how much we are committed to pursuing the ways of God and following after the ways of Jesus. Do we see him as an example to follow? Does it put in a good way pressure on us to to do better than we do at times? Knowing that Jesus would probably have handled the email we sent on Thursday better than we would have. (laughs) Or he would have spoken to his coworker uh, with a greater sense of kindness than maybe we did on Wednesday. Or on Monday, he, he might not have made his neighbor feel like as much of an intrusion and an interruption and would have made more time for them if he would have been living on my street dealing with whatever that situation was. Those are all the examples where we seek to consider how would he handle the situations that we are faced with and then do we want to do those very same things. I felt good, uh, a good kind of pressure. Uh, it was two weeks ago. Our family went down to Cincinnati for the weekend. One of uh, our nieces graduated from high school. And so right after church two weeks ago, we drove straight down for a graduation party, and then we stayed an extra day. And we took uh, all the kids to then a swim place that uh, one of my sisters had found. It used to be in an amusement park, Coney Island, and now none of the rides are there anymore, and it's all a big water park. And so we went, and... Uh, I experienced, for me as a kid growing up, uh, we went to pools regularly and I enjoyed them, uh, but I, I experienced the walk of shame a couple of times where I climbed up on a diving board and then went out to the edge of the diving board and looked down and was like, I am not doing this. And so then had to do that walk of shame back off of the diving board and then back down as the line of people uh, are then waiting for me to get out of the way so that they can go onto it. Well, our three boys were excited to see this one slide that they were ready to go on. Well, the two oldest were tall enough to go onto it, and the youngest was not. And so then he was super bummed that he wasn't tall enough. And he had to be 48 inches, and he's not 48 inches yet. And so as I was trying to console him for this one slide that he was not able to go on, I looked very far away on the other end. There seemed to be a slide that looked even taller, but there was smaller kids on it. So I asked one of the lifeguards, how tall do you have to be to go up on that ride? And they said, oh, 42 inches. That's the only one where you you can get away with being 42 inches. And so I said, David, do you want to go on that one? And he was like, yes. And I was kind of hoping he would say no, because it looked even taller. And it was this older school aluminum slide that I'm not exaggerating. I think was about 15 feet off of the water. And Unlike the one we had tried to go to where the steps would have been a few steps up and turn and then a few steps up and these like flat platforms along the way, this was like a ladder going straight up the 15 feet. And it was an aluminum ladder uh, that had nothing on it to like grip your feet and nothing on the handles to grip. But I was watching him go and I said, if he can do this, I can't be scared. I can't be the one who chickens out. If at five years old, he's like willing to go. And so he starts climbing the ladder. I'm like, okay, 
I got to go. And we go up, and I'm kind of expecting, if he does what I did when I was a kid, which is we get up there and then says, nope, I changed my mind. We'll now together do this uh, walk of shame down. But I realized as we got there, I had to go first because I needed to be down at the bottom to catch him when he came down. So we got all the way up there, and the whole time he didn't back out. And I'm trying not to freak out because this is tall enough for me, and I have to go first. And so I go first, and I turn around, and he willingly came down the slide. And I was so amazed. And I was like, wow, I just did something I wouldn't have done before because <laughs> I watched someone else face it with, with, to me, was a greater sense of courage and strength. And we, we need that in our own lives. We need examples and models that we look up to. Usually it's thinking of people who are further ahead than us who are able to do it, but Jesus talked about having a childlike faith that does show at times this ability to trust uh, beyond the, the ability of many times that we have as adults and to do hard things. But with the life of Jesus, as we encounter his stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and hear how he interacted with people, He's not calling us ever to do something that he wasn't himself willing to do. When he calls us to love enemies, when he calls us to be kind to those who we do not know, when he calls us to persevere in prayer, uh, in all those ways, he's inviting us to follow after him and experience what he would have for us by following out the path that he has marked in the paths that he has walked. And this psalm highlights that goodness that God is willing uh, in inviting us to pursue him in each and every way. To experience what later in the psalm, in verse 14, it says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who hear him. So we don't just make transactions with God or deals with God to get something and move on, but what is intended for each and every one of us to experience is a relationship. And the greater we feel his sense of living among us and with us and that we're following after him, we're drawn into greater strength and resilience and love and compassion as we seek to follow his ways. And then this, this psalm also highlights God's truth. So not only his ways, but his truth. The psalmist says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Verse 10, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies forever. And so we, we not only have his ways, but we're reminded of his truth, which there again, uh, the main idea in the psalm is that God is true to his word. He is always true to his promises. The covenant that he has made, he will always keep with us. And so the psalmist even uses that language, said, Lord, remember your mercy. Remember what you already said you were going to do. Uh, that's been the, the song we've been listening to all week in our home was uh, a newer song. We usually do hymns, but every now and again, I'll throw in a newer one, and the kids are happy uh, when I do. You've already won by Shane and Shane. And that goodness that do what you've already promised to do, what you've already been victorious of on the cross to give to your children. Be, be true to what you've already said and what you've already shown that you would do for each and every one of us. Give us that instruction. Help show us the way. Keep the covenant that you have made. Give to us 
the forgiveness that you have promised that if we ever turn to you and we ever confess our sins, that you're going to be ready to forgive us. Those are the kind of truths that we need to be reminded of in those moments when, as the psalmist, he says, he feels lonely, he feels afflicted. There are dangers around and temptations. And so he needs to remember God's truth, that God is good, he is upright, and he will come through and do all of the things that he has promised to do. And when he does that, and we feel that sense of strength in verse 13, we experience what he promises. It says that uh, the one who has the fear of the Lord and who follows in the way the Lord should choose, it says, his soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. And so this twofold promise of life that in, in, in our own soul will experience well-being, full life, and then also the promise of future life. And so from God's way to God's truth to God's life, this is, uh, we're using Jesus' own words when he said that he was the way, the truth, and the life to sort of break down this psalm. That this is the way he is showing us. This is the truth that he has promised to us that in following after him is where we discover full and abundant life and eternal everlasting life that these are gifts that he intends to give to each and every one of us. And that's why we come to him in prayer. That's why we come to him when we feel lonely. That's why we come to him when we know we're guilty of sin. It's why we come to him when we feel temptation around us. One of the biggest things that separates us from being healthy or unhealthy is not how perfectly we handle every day or every situation. But do you right now already know where you'll turn when you do feel guilty? Do you right now already know to whom you will run when you do feel a sense of shame? Do you already right now know where you'll go when it feels like the bottom has come out from under you? If you do, you can have a sense of hope and promise that he'll always be there for you in each and every circumstance, that you can trust him. It's not that you or I can look ahead and say, well, we just know nothing bad's gonna happen or we know that no challenges are gonna come. No, all kinds of challenges will come our way. But what scripture tells us is that we can already know that his promise and purpose for us is to restore life and to extend it, to give us the fullness of life and to give it a future that, that lives beyond us. And that's the hope for each and every one of us, that if we experience God in the way that, this, uh, that David is, is describing him, that there's a joy to be had. Uh, as I was thinking through the truths of the psalm, a story, uh, a story came to my mind uh, that happened just a few years ago. Uh, but many of you will know the school in Serbia that the church supports uh, regularly now as one of our missionary partners in which I have the blessing annually about to go and to teach uh, myself there. It was a few years ago that, uh, so the school has been operating in a building in downtown Novi Sad and as the school has grown, it has basically filled up that building in a good way where there's four classes now operating and all available uh, square footage is being used. 
And the, the missionary couple who is there, Dwayne and Kimberly, they received a phone call, unsolicited, or an email from somebody in the state saying, we've been following what's been going on for a long time, and we just want to let you know that the Lord's laid on our heart that we want to bless you. And we have a, a piece of real estate that we're getting prepared to sell, and we want to tithe the proceeds of that sale to you. And we want to bless you. And if you need a bigger building, a new building, or whatever, and they were told that they were going to be given $500,000. They didn't ask for it. It wasn't on their radar. They weren't praying for it. But somebody came to them and said, this is what we want to do. And so they took that and said, okay, let's start researching. Let's, let's go and, and look. Uh, clearly, this is something that the Lord has done. And so they organized a team and looked and researched for what it was that they believe now were the needs that they had uh, in, their, in their work. They solidified it. They found it. Uh, they signed a, a temporary agreement on what was going to happen. And then they got a phone call. And the person who had made the initial offer apologized and said, the original transaction that I'm trying to do from which this would all happen has completely fallen through. And there, there just actually won't be any funds that come. And so that was then devastating. Wait a minute. <laughs> we went from this extraordinary opportunity to then, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why is this the thing that's happening? So then uh, when Dwayne took the time to send the email, to now update people who for months and months he'd been emailing the good news about what was going on and how this was moving forward and this was now how this was going to take place. He had to craft that other email that said, we just want to inform you all, you've all been praying, you've all been sending notes of encouragement, but this isn't going to happen. And the Lord's made it clear it's not going to happen. We, we don't necessarily fully understand it, but we trust his purposes, but we just want to give all of you an update on what's going to happen. And then in response to that email, somebody replied and said, I don't have that much money. I can give you like $1,000. But I'll give it to you if you'll email everybody back and ask them if they wouldn't also just commit to a time of prayer and see how many of them would consider responding to this news by making an offering themselves but I'll only give it to you if you'll send the email. Oh, okay, well, what do you do with that? Like, this is a big gap, but somebody's responded in this way, and so then they sent an email. Uh, somebody has responded. They, they'd like to put out a challenge to others in spite of this news to say, would you be willing uh, to help and just see what the Lord might do? And then a few emails trickled in say, well, maybe this isn't the best, <laughs> this isn't the best strategy, and a few more funds came in, but people responding in faith, in prayer, and after now several weeks of this, it, it took long enough that the original deal had to be let go of, and so the property that had been searched for was now no longer under contract, and it was free and released to be sold, but in this generous response of a community, they had raised, I think, somewhere up to about $170,000. And then somebody came in and said, whatever the rest is needed, we'll take care of it. 
and they saw God move in this unique way from what was originally one person truly intending to bless them to now be a community of people and multiple organizations. And then when they went back to now search, what they were originally looking for had fallen through, but then they found something bigger for even less funds. And it was this amazing answer to their prayer. Dwayne and Kimberly's son is helping do the live stream today, if you want to verify any part of this uh, story. Um, but it was one of those examples of God, even when the good things come and when, when there's spontaneous good news, we don't want to ultimately ever put our trust in people or our trust in our plans. The psalmist says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O God, in you I trust. And so we want to trust him when good things come and we want to thank him when those uh, things surprise us and they, and they go uh, wonderfully for us, but we also want to trust him when things surprise us and go in unexpected ways. And we want to trust that he's working even in those moments to do something even greater than we might imagine and that the story actually is better at the end than it would have been at the beginning had it all gone the way we might have initially hoped. Uh, this is from the book that will be part of our, our summer book study, Jesus Through the Eyes of Women. And this is looking at Mary's perspective on some of those early events uh, that we'll be talking about tomorrow night. But here the author says, Jesus' birth is good news of great joy for all people. But now reflecting on the shepherds, but it's this band of ragtag shepherds who receive the divine notification, not the religious leaders or the political leaders. When the shepherds find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, they pass the angel's message on to anyone who will listen. But Luke highlights Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. And how do we see Jesus through Mary's eyes at this moment? We see him as the one through whom God's promises are already coming true. We see that the lack of a room at the inn is not a mistake, but a message. Jesus came for the poor and the excluded first. He is the savior for all people, rich and poor, male and female, young and old. It's a, it's a powerful insight that Mary began to discover that even the, the interruptions, the frustrations, the no room at the inn, the dirty shepherds who came, that this is actually all a part of God's plan, who she can trust in, that his ways are good, that he is bringing about life that she will experience and that will extend life and the promise eternal life to all who will come, rich and poor, young and old, male and female. We get a glimpse of that in Psalm 25. Whether you're feeling guilty over sin, surrounded by enemies, feeling lonely, you can always turn to Jesus. He is the one person you can always come to and find, in fact, that he is the way and the truth and the life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for the truth of your word. that recognizes the temptations that we face around us, the uncertainties, the surprises 
that come our way that we simply don't control and we can't manufacture but we thank you that you are the one in whom we can place our trust no matter what that you will not let us be put to shame that you will not let our enemies triumph over us but that in your sovereignty and in your wisdom in your goodness and in your beauty you know how to bring all things together for your good that you know how uh, to give us life and to give it abundantly and to extend that life uh, to all who need to hear it and so we pray that you would help us to live with that confidence that you would help us to place our trust in that same uh, truth that you would help us to follow the ways that you have laid for us that as we fear you as we walk in humility that you will guide each and every one of our steps and that you will write a better story for us than we ever could for ourselves. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing our